maybe we'll try and restart this. All right. I will, uh, Jim, I'll call you back. Okay. All right. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and do this again. Okay. Now it says I'm live and now it says everyone is viewing. Is this uh is this thing working right now? Or are we operating? If you are watching this stream, okay, it appears that it is live now. If you're watching the stream, can you comment and say that you're seeing this live? Like uh I'm gonna bring Jim in here. Jim, I have no idea what the hell just happened. Oh wait. You know, part of the reason that I'm lagging, I didn't plug my microphone in. Hold on. This is a this is a disaster right now. Hold on. Okay, can you hear me better now? Yeah, it's I think everything's working now. What a I mean, what a mess. Like, we just wasted three and a half minutes like screwing around because I uh you know I'm not plugged in and now yeah, it says we're live now. It looks like on the YouTube channel we're live. I mean, I think YouTube I, I don't know what was going on. I thought maybe the you know, our podcast went into the uh, portal or something like that. I was going to start off by making a joke like, Jim, I'm glad you're here. You didn't go into the transfer portal or something like that. But we get a lot of comments. Everybody's saying they're seeing this. And I think I missed the opportunity for the portal, uh, the portal jokes. But I mean, obviously, that's our like big topic here. And, and somebody, Adam uh, Vinchik, started off and said, let's start with the OC talk. That's probably the best potential news. And like, yeah, that's very interesting and definitely worth you know, checking into S Mac asks, uh, did Partridge to Florida talk scare off all the defenders? And like, ha ha ha, you know, we could have a good conversation about coaches, but like Pitt had what seven guys going to the portal today, you know, seven. and around the country, we're seeing, you know, all this portal activity and guys intending to go into the portal. And the AM quarterback is going to North Carolina. And I, I mean, it's jumping off as the kids say, and it's not even Monday. Now, like a, a few points of clarification. People are like, well, how could this uh, Texas A&M quarterback, how could he commit to North Carolina? The portal's not even open yet. Well, no, the portal for undergrads opens on Monday. The portal for grad transfers, walk-ons, or and this is the relevant point, coaches or kids whose coach left, they were able to go into the portal like a week ago or two weeks ago. So that's actually okay. Max Johnson can commit to North Carolina. He can have contact with North Carolina and all that. I think Riley Leonard, I believe, is a graduate. I'm not sure. Well, Elko left. Oh, yeah, and Elko left anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. So, you know, these guys can do it. Like Bengali Kamara, I, I don't get the sense that he has graduated. He said in his tweet he intends to enter the transfer portal. So that, like, that's not happened yet. You're not going to see Bengali Kamara commit anywhere. Maybe Buddy Mack, if he graduated, or uh, you know DeAndre Jules, I, I don't know if he graduated or not. Those guys could commit somewhere tomorrow, but for the most part, by the rules, they won't be able to go into the transfer portal until Monday and then start having contact with schools. I don't know why all of this happened today. Like, do you have any guess on why like seven guys today decided today was the day they were going to announce this? I don't know if there was like a specific day, but I mean, I think, you know, after the game, we talked to Pat Narduzzi and I asked him, I said, when, when, when do the player meetings start? And he said, you know, Monday and Tuesday, like it, it, it happens like that. So, I mean, I, I get the sense that they met with the defensive players first because all seven guys <laughs> in the portal are on the defense and maybe tomorrow there's a big wave of offensive players. But I, I think that's just kind of how it went down. I don't, I, I don't know why, like, did they all like, plan it out like all right I, i'm gonna go in the portal at one o'clock you go in at three o'clock like, <laughs> get your get your tweet loaded ready for three o'clock but yeah I, I don't know but yeah i don't know so you're saying this could happen again tomorrow is what you're predicting you're predicting that another like half dozen guys are going to go into the portal tomorrow and they're all going to be from, from offense is that what you're saying jim i don't know about that but i mean i, I think going into this offseason we knew there would be transfer portal with, you know guys heading and i think there would be you know, I think over 10 was probably the expectation, maybe 10 to 15. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, because I, I mean, it's not like I think that it'll stop 
now. You know, like even on the defensive side, they were all defensive guys. You might be right. Maybe it's tied to these you know post postseason one on ones that, that Narduzzi has with these guys, and maybe they were just working their way through the defense. But do you, I mean, do you think they're not even like a specific guy that's still out there? Do you expect to transfer? But do you think this is it for the defensive guys, or do you think there's probably going to be even more from that group? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I've kind of been breaking down each position group all week about, you know, where, where things are. And yeah, I mean, I think you could go through every position group and say, okay, you know, I'm not positive he's coming back. I, I, I don't, you know, there's, there are reasons. I mean, I, I think some guys, you know, we saw some guys today transfer that they've never started at Pitt and they're going into their fourth and fifth year and they're not going to start next year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know everyone's panicking. I know everyone's like, oh my gosh, like look at all these guys going to the portal. But I think a lot of this was naturally going to happen. And some of these guys in the transfer portal would be in there, whether Pitt was three and nine or nine and three. I mean, I think some of these things were going to happen. And I, you know, there's obviously a few today that kind of, you know, caught us off guard. And I think we'll get into that. But I, you know, I think some of this is just natural, you know, roster movement. Yeah, and their season is over, you know, and and when teams that went seven and five, eight and four, nine and three play their bowl game, or even in the weeks leading up to their bowl game, you'll see, you know, mass defections there too. I imagine. I mean, like, I think it's going to be cr crazier numbers than we saw last year, which was crazier than the year before. Like, I I think it's going to be across the board in college football. It is going to be unprecedented, just because it continues to be unprecedented year after year after year. I want to talk about the seven guys who went into the portal today, but first, um, now I, I know we were focused on the portal stuff. Didn't want to talk coach stuff, but here's the trick guys. If you want to make us talk about something else, you could be a super chatter because as it is in the transfer portal, man, money talks. And so if you want to click the dollar sign and support the podcast, like big daddy, Jojo 87 did, and uh, he or she, or they want to talk about coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Then we will talk about that. So Big Daddy Jojo 87 Super Chatter says, what other coaches on the offensive side do you suspect will go? Um, so they have, what, five coaches on that side of the ball. Frank Signetti's already gone. That leaves four. Offensive line, Dave Borbley, running backs, Andre Powell, wide receiver, Tyquan Underwood, tight end, Turbo, Tim Salem. Jim, uh, over under two and a half departures from those remaining four. That's a good number, right? Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I, I would take the under. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's kind of hard to speculate, but I mean, that's still, you know, saying that maybe two guys could move on. And I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. I think they're going to try to sign their recruiting class and there might be some decisions made after December 20th. Uh, but I mean, I think you look at that side of the ball and it was a mess all year. It wasn't just Frank Signetti. I mean, I think there were some mishandlings from the running backs. Uh, you know, the offensive line didn't really have a great year and, they're both, you know, you look at Andre Powell and Dave Orkley, they're veterans. They've been around for a long time. I mean, you kind of have to wonder, like, how much longer do they really want to keep doing this year after year? So I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see two more guys being, you know, moving on. And I, 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 I don't get that sense on the defensive staff, but I don't know either. I mean, I, I guess anything can happen at this point. Yeah, I think on the offensive side, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to imagine – one guy retiring, one guy leaving for another job, and one guy getting fired. And now all of a sudden you're down, you know, I mean, you're down to just one returning coach. Yeah. Um, I like I, I don't think that's a crazy idea at all. Like, I don't think that's and and it's like, wow, they lost, you know, if that were to happen, it'd be like, oh, they lost four guys from the offensive side. But as you said, number one, their offense was bad this year. They averaged 2.25 offensive touchdowns per game, which is not going to win you many games at all. And then number two. I think when you look at each individual situation, like the coordinator, you had to make that change. You know, if a guy's going to retire, a guy retires. If a guy leaves to go to another staff, he leaves to go to another staff. If you fire one more guy, you've really only fired two guys, but you've turned over four out of your five offensive coaches, which again, when the product was what it was, doesn't seem like that terrible of an idea. So, you know, Jim says under on two and a half, I might go over on two and a half. Oh, I was going to ask you, Jim, before we uh, even started, during this uh, one-hour podcast, and we're already like 12 minutes in, so over the next 48 minutes, over under one and a half more transfer portal additions from uh, Pitt's roster during this podcast, during the next 48 minutes. You know, I think just because neither one of us is like in a position to like write, I'm going to take the over. <laughs> it might be over five or something like that. You're right. How many do you feel like you have? 
what percentage of the pit roster do you think you have uh, notifications turned on for? Twitter notifications. Oh, so many. I mean, I have guys that like almost committed to pit but didn't and like yeah. played elsewhere and I still have them on Twitter notifications. It's just, yeah, it's exactly. part of the job. Like you just like, my phone rings constantly. So. All the time with some of the dumbest <laughs> stuff. And like, it, it, like basically if you took an official visit to pit over the last like six years, I have Twitter notifications turned on for you. And you know, a lot of those guys didn't go to pit, but a whole bunch of them did. And that's how I've pretty much gotten caught by. So if all of a sudden you see us both like looking like, Oh, there's that, you know, we'll, we'll get notifications about it when these guys announce it. All right. Biz is a super chatter says, uh, who do you really think will be the new offensive coordinator and how quick are they getting the OC? Everything really hinges on who the OC is going to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a big part of it. You know, we talked uh, today on the message boards about Tim Cramsey, the Memphis offensive coordinator. We think there's been contact there. He was involved when Frank Signetti was hired People, you know, if they didn't read my article earlier today, they can, you know, look it up for themselves. Very impressive numbers at Memphis. Did a good job at Marshall when he was there before that. Who knows? I think that's one of several candidates getting considered. Probably the relevant point to Biz's question or, or his second question, I guess, second or third, is like this is happening now. Like it's Wednesday of the first week after the offensive coordinator was fired. It's three days after Frank Signetti was fired. And like Panarduzzi's deep in conversations with guys, like he's not wasting his time. He's not he's not taking his time. He's not wasting time. He's not screwing around and waiting until the coaches' convention or anything like that. He's diving into it, and and I think that's important. You got to get the right guy, of course, but not wasting your time because we talked about it so much about the importance of getting someone in so they can hit the ground running with the transfer portal and with making decisions on the on the coaching staff. And I think it's good. I think it's encouraging to see Narduzzi, who has taken his time in the past, kind of moving with a little bit of briskness, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're both under the understanding that he's talked to multiple candidates already, and it's, you know, it's only a couple days since Frank Signetti was fired. I mean, I think they were – yeah, I mean, the, it happened Sunday during the second quarter of the Steeler game. I'm not sure if that was like the ideal time for them to do it, but you know, whatever. So it, it happened and I think they're moving quickly. I mean, I, I don't know if someone's going to get hired like by Friday, but like in the past, we've seen these things by Narduzzi, what they you sometimes drag out three, four weeks. I, I don't see that happening this time. I mean, I think you kind of, you know, signing days, December 20th, I think you would probably want to have an offensive coordinator in place, you know, for a couple of days. I don't think you want to like hire them on the 20th and like, Hey, here's, here's the recruiting class. I mean, like, I think this is going to happen here in the next, you know, week, week, week and a half, two weeks. I would even go so far as to say, even if you can't get all the T's crossed and I's dotted from an HR perspective, if you've got a verbal agreement with a guy, he wants to be here. You want him to be here. You're good with the money and everything like that. Fly him in on Friday so he can spend the weekend getting to know Nate Yarnell and Christian Bayer and Ty Diefenbach, and he can watch film of those guys, and he can start talking to you and interested parties about portal candidates and, and start evaluating. Like, like every day that passes is a day that could be used in pretty important decision-making that will affect 2024. You know what I mean? So even if he's not official – like get him in and watching film on Saturday and Sunday. So when the portal opens on Monday, you can actually have contact officially have contact. He could be on the phone at midnight. Like, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow for lunch? I'd love to come and, you know, have a burger with you. You know what I mean? Cause coaches can go out on the road. And I think that's, you know, I, I think, I, I think it's huge to do that. And, and I guess you wouldn't be able to send him on the road until he's officially part of the staff. But you know, the fact remains like, I think it's important to move is quick. I don't even think you want to wait until four or five days before signing day. Like I think at the latest next weekend, which is the first time they'll have official visits, you want to have them by then. And ideally you'd want to be able to send them out on the road at some point next week, but that's moving quick. But again, we've seen a move quickly uh, so far by talking to these guys. All right. The seven guys went into the portal today. All right. Let's talk about them first. And then we'll, we'll start off like in a sort of a narrow perspective, Jim, and then we'll pull back and get kind of, wider and wider to uh talk about some transfer portal issues i you know you reference guys who haven't really played or haven't really started buddy mack and aiden henningham i think are those guys right maybe steph hall too yeah. would you include steph hall in that group i mean mack and henningham have been here for a while hall is a little bit younger maybe a year younger or two younger uh two years younger than mack i, I forget but those three or, or would you put them all in the sort of the same group 
I would say Steph Hall's a little bit different. I mean, like Aiden Hen Henningham and Buddy Mack, they've been around for a while and they just haven't played. I mean, I think you look at Steph Hall, like this year, you know, we were told that this was a four-man battle for the two safety spots. And, you know, they, they Steph Hall was right there with McMillan, McIntyre, and O'Brien. But, you know, as the season progressed, you know, even by the second game, you could tell they were really only playing three safeties. And I think that's probably the three they're going to try to roll with next year. So I think, you know, Steph Hall kind of saw the writing on the wall. And, you know, I, I don't put them, I don't really lump them in that category of like Buddy Mack and Aiden Henningham, who have been here for a long time and just really haven't played. I think it just, he kind of lost his opportunity to start. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing with, with Hall too, is the other three guys are all the same class as him. You know what I mean? All the same eligibility. So like, it's not even a matter of wait around until Javon McIntyre and Donovan McMillan and PJ O'Brien graduate because you're going to graduate at the same time as them. You're going to run out of eligibility the same time as them. And there's young players who look pretty promising. So yeah, those, I, I, I would agree. I, I think, you know, Henningham, I don't think has played any snaps defense special teams anything in the last two years Betty Mack has I mean maybe played special teams this past year I, I'm not sure but not a lot all right so you move on then to seniors I mean basically the other four guys are all seniors who could have come back for one more year they're all guys who played this year guys who started this year well three of the four started this year all four were were rotation guys Ben Gully Kamara Brandon George DeAndre Jules Nate Temple um who surprised you the most out of that group? I, I think DeAndre Jules was kind of the surprising one for a lot of people because I think it just, you know, he really kind of emerged this year a little bit. Uh, I think he had like seven and a half tackles for loss. He was making plays. He looked pretty good. And you look at defensive tackle next year, and I mean, he had a pretty clear path to start. I think he started six games this year. I mean, he was going to start 12 next year, the way I saw it. So I was surprised by that one. I, I kind of figured he would come back. He didn't walk at senior day. It just kind of seemed like everything was aligning for him to come back and, you know, kind of build off. He had a little bit of a breakout season, but next year was going to be his chance to have a full-on breakout season. So that, that one definitely caught me off guard. The other three... I mean, Kamara a little bit, uh, but, you know, Brandon George moving on didn't really surprise me. Nate Temple moving on doesn't really surprise me, but, yeah, I, I think Joel's mostly and a little bit Kamara. Yeah, I mean, even looking at the the list of guys who walked on senior night, like, you know, George did, but Temple did not, Kamara did not, Jules did not. I, I really took it as meaning, like, okay, those guys plan to come back. And I know we can't read entirely into that. We've seen guys participate and still come back. We've seen guys not participate and leave. It's not a, you know, there, there's no real science to it. But I thought with those guys, they probably would because I, I wasn't really sure what their what what good options they were going to find. You know what I mean? Were they going to be attractive candidates in the transfer portal? Were they going to go to the NFL? I mean, that seemed highly unlikely. Jules in particular, I, I'm I'm I was really kind of surprised by because I, I mean he was gonna be the guy at defensive tackle. You know what I mean? Like there's nobody else with any kind of meaningful experience. I mean, Sean Fitzsimmons has played a little bit. Isaiah Neal played one snap. Elliot Donald plays a couple snaps a game. I, I mean, like Deion, there's like if DeAndre Jules was in that group, there'd be like him up there with like 600 snaps this year and everybody else with a combined like 42. And, you know, so he was walking into a starting job. I don't know if Temple was going to walk into a starting job. I could see, you know, assuming Dayon Hayes comes back and that's not a guarantee yet. I, I don't think that, I know what he said after the Boston College game, but I don't think that book is closed. Uh, but assuming he came back, I think Sam Okunlola probably would have passed Nate Temple. So I, I get that a little bit, but... Jules had a starting job, and, and I think this is probably a case where, you know, NIL came into play, and 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 I I can't say that with one hundred percent certainty. I, I'm just sort of looking at it, and and I think that's probably what happened, which kind of opens up a whole nother can of worms, Jim. Of like, yeah, DeAndre Jules, like you said, he had some pretty good production. He had a breakout year, but I mean, he started like half the games. He he was a rotation defensive tackle. And if NIL is enticing a guy like that to move, like what are we do? Like what world are we living in? And, and that's no disrespect to DeAndre Jules, but like, like what are we talking about here? You know, uh, like if 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 it, if it even reaches that far. So it was one thing when it was Jordan Addison, 
All right, they convinced the Bletnikoff Award winner, the best wide receiver in the country, a guy who caught 17 touchdowns to transfer. You could see why he was a hot commodity product. But I sort of feel like what's happening now is the teams in the schools that have the big collectives and big fan support are like, all right, we're going to load up our top line. We're going to load up our second line. And then we're going to go get like some top guys to fill in like our third line. So we've got depth and we're going to spend who knows how much just to fill in depth. And if that's happening and if they can actually pull it off, and have like a $20 million payroll for the effectively for their roster where they're paying like backups. I don't know, five figures, six figures. I mean, like I, I don't even, I, I, I don't want to use like a cliched phrase of like, what are we talking about? Or what are we doing here? But honestly, what are we doing here, Jim? I, I mean, if that's what's happening and, and I'm, I'm sort of, I, I know you were just about to say something and I just cut you off, but I swear I'll stop this rant in a second if I find some way to close it. Like, I, I don't want to say this is exactly what's happening with Jules. But as I look at his situation, I look what he had at Pitt and what he was likely going to come back to at Pitt, it sort of makes sense. Like, they're not clearing him out to make room. They only have, like, three underclassmen anyway. So it, it doesn't make any sense from a playing time perspective. It doesn't make any sense from a usage perspective. It only – it sort of seems like an NIL thing. And if that's the case, it sort of feels like nobody's untouchable, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting time for a program where, you know, Pitt is in the hierarchy of the sport. I mean, I, I don't think Pitt's NIL collective is like hopeless. I don't think it's as bad as some other places. I think Pitt has some money to spend and, you know, bring in some good players from year to year. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're losing a defensive tackle, that's going to play for Charlie Partridge. That's going to start 12 games and he's looking elsewhere. That's interesting. So, I mean, I still want to see where everyone ends up so I can kind of make these determinations on what exactly happened. I mean, it, we'll see where he ends up. I mean, a lot of those other guys, we, we talked about the seven. I mean, most of them aren't going to end up at like a significant power five school starting. I mean, Bengali Kamara might. Brandon George, I think he could drop a level and probably start somewhere. I think Nate Temple could do the same, and I think those other guys are just kind of looking for playing time. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Jules ends up and, you know, what led him to go there. I mean, because, he again, he's he's leaving a Power 5 starting job on the table. So, yeah, you would have to assume you're looking for another Power 5 starting job somewhere else. And I don't I – don't, I mean, he's good. He's a good player. I don't know if he's a great player. So, yeah, I, it, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a different feel this offseason than even last offseason. Well, and if that's the thing, if 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 another place, another collective, another school is looking at it like, well, let's get this guy who's a projected starter at Pitt, and he can come in and be our number three D tackle, or our number four D tackle, or our number five D tackle. I, I mean, like that feels like a farm system, right? <laughs> like I, I I didn't I never really wanted to go that far, but like that sort of feels like a farm system. And I mean, damn. I was hoping it would not come to that. Out of these seven guys, how many, who do you think ends up, like, never mind the role they get, but how, who do you think out of these seven ends up at a Power 5 school? Like, any Power 5 school. We're not going to, you know, it could be Boston College, it could be Alabama or Texas, and I don't mean to use Boston College as the, who would be your bottom of the heap Power 5 school, just to, as an aside, if I'm going to say, you know, everywhere from Alabama down, or everywhere from Georgia down to, I don't know, Vanderbilt? Vandy. Yeah, I think they, they might be like holding the, the bottom spot of the power five these days. Poor Vanderbilt. I feel like Vanderbilt could win, uh, to be honest, not, not to get sidetracked, but like SEC, SEC money. They're in a fertile territory. They're in a, a great city. I feel like if they actually ever wanted to win, they could win. But I digress. How many of these uh, seven guys anywhere from Georgia down to Vanderbilt? Um, how many of these guys end up in a power five school? Or who? You know, name names, Jim. Uh, I, I I think Jules does. I think Kamara does. I think Temple maybe, and that's probably those are the three for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree with you about George. I I think like follow the Judson Talender path and go to go to Akron. You know what I mean? Like maybe you know I could see him. He's an Eastern PA guy. I could see him going to like Rutgers. Um, yeah. You know, I I I, I wouldn't. You know, or Maryland, maybe. Um, I, I might, I, I could maybe see that, but Mac Henningham Hall, 
probably even Temple. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I don't really see, I don't see it. So, but, but, you know, some of these guys, I think moved on, like we said, for playing time reasons. Some of these guys, I think moved on because, uh, maybe they got kind of John Morgan a little bit, you know, and, and, and sort of cleared out space for, for younger players to step in, which, I mean, you need to have those young guys ready to actually go, but, um, who do you, who do you, I want to say, who do you think hurts the most? Is it Jules or Kamara? George? Would you put George in that group of, of who hurts the most, or is Jules just the obvious option? I think Jules is just the obvious option because the other three returning defensive tackles have no playing time. And right. I mean, I, I think, you know, they have three recruits, you know, set to sign and on December 20th. I mean, they're all good players. I mean, you look at all, like, all six of the defensive tackles, they all have really good pedigrees. You know, some of them are four stars. It's a talented group, but it's very unproven. So, I mean, I think Jules was the one, okay, here's our veteran. We can kind of, we could stick him here and rotate the young guys around him. So I, 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 he, he definitely hurts the most. Yeah. Even when he, like, even when we thought he was coming back, I was like, they need to go get a D tackle out of the portal. You know what I mean? Like that was, I was like, that's a, a priority in the portal. Even with Jules coming back, you take Jules out of the mix. And I mean, and now you might need two. You know, because yeah. I because I, I don't I mean, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say I've given up on Elliot Donald, but by his third season, I expected him to do more than he's done. You know, I expected him to make more contributions. I think Sean Fitzsimmons should be good. I, I, I'll i be willing to chalk it up to him being hurt most of this season. So maybe that was why he didn't contribute a lot. But I mean, is Isaiah Neal going to be ready as a redshirt freshman who played one snap this past year? I mean, he's going to have to be, you know, yeah. and, and that's to say nothing of the needs at defensive end, the needs at cornerback, the needs on the offensive line. If they start losing some of the offensive linemen that they have, because I, I think that's a possibility that you could start to see some offensive linemen go, not necessarily because they're not playing, not necessarily because they're uh, unhappy, but NIL enticements. You know, somebody's going to give you money to go play somewhere else, even as a backup. Money's money. You know, is there any way this gets corralled short of the players getting salaries, which will probably happen in the next two or three years, I would think. I, I don't, I think this is just kind of the status quo right now. I mean, I don't, I don't think the NCAA has much of a backbone and I don't think they have much jurisdiction over this right now. I mean, this is kind of just wild west and they open the can of worms and it's hard to get them back in. I mean, the, the sport changed so much in the past couple of years. I mean, with just the transfer portal, like the free transfer, the NIL, the extra year of eligibility, like everything just kind of changed around like 2020, 2021. And it's a very different sport now. And it's these off seasons are a lot different because I mean, you and I in our, in our business, we would just be only thinking about recruiting right now. That is the only thing we would possibly be thinking. Yeah. A couple guys transfer here and there. Like, yeah, buddy Mac would have transferred 10 years ago in the, under the same circumstances, but it's very different now. It's, it's, not the same whenever your you know pit starting defensive tackle decides he's not coming back. Yeah, yeah, and that and somebody had a, a comment of uh, oh um, let me see, uh, I don't think anybody's going to you know leave uh, you know none of the starters left or something like that. But he did, and Kamara was a starter, you know, and I don't know. It was it was a rough day, and, and it feels like it's only. Uh, you know, going to get worse. Do you think offense will lose more scholarship guys than defense has so far today? Let's assume defense ends at seven. Do you think offense goes over that number? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, that was that. That's the position. I mean, that's the side of the ball. I mean, there, there's just going to be natural changes because there's a new coordinator. There's probably going to be a couple new assistant coaches. I think there's just going to be some natural. You know, some guys need to move on. I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, well, I would chalk up a lot of the offensive failures this year to Frank Signetti Jr., Phil Dracovic, but, like, they still lack playmakers. They still didn't have a great offensive line. I mean, it, it, yeah, like, they're going to lose some guys just with the natural, you know, the whole dead weight thing. But, like, yeah, they might lose a couple good players, too. And, I, you know, I think everyone kind of is at least bracing for one of those. Well, you know what? Actually, so by the numbers, I actually wrote down some numbers, Jim, and uh, 85 scholarship players this year, right? Um, 11 super seniors, guys like Phil Dracovic, Sebo, Malcolm Epps, Cradle, Zabovic, Bentley, Danielson, Green, Simon, Williams, Woods, which quick aside, and I think you and I 
chatted about this offline. We might have texted about this. Just so everybody in the world can can hear this. If we could just scream this from the mountaintops, all right? Those 11 guys I just named, like Marquez Williams. I love Marquez Williams. He's a great kid. You know, he's been great since he was recruited. A lot of fun to talk to. He puts out a tweet Monday saying, after thoughts, a lot of thought and a lot of prayers, he has decided to enter the NFL draft. Dude was out of eligibility. Like, he's declaring for the NFL as opposed to declaring for what? The Cats Business School? Like, what are we talking? Like, you didn't decide to leave. Pitt didn't, I mean, Pitt lost you in the sense that you're not going to play for Pitt anymore, but you didn't, de- I, like, I, I guess you just announced that you're going to pursue the NFL as opposed to pursuing a professional, like, a career in some other line of work. So all of these guys and, like, you know, Danielson, Bentley, Green, they, they put, or not, not Danielson, uh, but Bentley and Green put out like tweets to AJ or yeah, AJ Woods. You know, I, I saw somebody like quote tweet AJ Woods is thank you Pittsburgh tweet. And they were like, oh, Pitt lost another defensive player. And they, like he was done. <laughs> he was out of eligibility. So like, yeah, stop it. Stop, and, and like, but these guys are making it confusing because they're like, I've decided to declare for the NFL draft. You didn't decide. I bet unless it was like, you know, I, I'm declaring for the NFL draft or I'm declaring for Costco or something. You know what I mean? Like you, this is what you. You know, like you couldn't have come back if you wanted to. You could yeah, have transferred somewhere. Yeah, it's it's a great time to be in the graphic making business. At least they're <laughs> all good enough to put it at the end. Like yeah. I, I think even a few guys like like use a different font size and wrote transfer portal when they said like I'm going to be entering the transfer portal, so I could just scan over it and find the key words. I, I, I said a long time ago when all the kids were using the notes app before they got all the graphics and everything, they would all use the notes app. I was like, they should use different colored notes or different colored fonts, like green if you're going to the NFL, red if you're transferring, you know, black, you know, black if you're just gonna, you know, hang it up or whatever. And that'll make it easier for me. So I don't have to read how you're thanking your high school principal and 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 your family and all those. I know that's important and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I only have so much time in the day to read so many of these tweets. Like I like what are you doing? Portal, great. Let's go. All right. Back to the thing. 85 scholarship players this year. That's the max you can have. 11 super seniors. Those guys cannot come back. So that takes it down to 74. Seven transfers, scholarship transfers so far, right? So they're at 67. Now, we list 21 commits in the recruiting class. You and I both think that number's probably 20. We've talked about that on the message boards. I don't think we have to get into it here. Either way, 20 or 21, you add that to the 67, and that gets you at 87 where you're over the limit. So just to get the recruiting class in, they need two or three more guys to transfer. And then to add all the transfer additions that we expect them to add, what what would you set that at? Seven, eight? 10 how many guys do you think they'll bring in transfer wise that they'll, they'll add this year seven to ten sounds right i mean they need what two defensive tackles probably two cornerbacks an offensive lineman a tight end maybe a receiver maybe a quarterback that what where, where did i go right there that's seven i eight? lost count i <laughs> lost count because i was wondering if you want to say quarterback so i stopped uh stopped counting but yeah so so i did say quarterback no, I, I mean, before you got to it, I stopped counting, wondering if you were going to say quarterback because I was going to add it in if you didn't. So whatever they were at, you know, 87, 88, they need two or three transfers to leave just to fit in the recruiting class, another eight to 10 to leave just to fit in, you know, the transfers they want to add. So already had seven go, you know, a little bit of, you know, math on the back of a cop- cocktail napkin. And we're talking about, another 10 transfers mm-hmm. we're talking about 17 guys leaving it'd be like oh that's a mass exodus but it is but you're also trimming 85 guys not all of them are on the two deep right I, like do the math for me 11 positions on each side of the ball two deep that's 44 right that's half of of the guys that you have on scholarship and that doesn't mean you have to cut everybody who's not on the two deep but i think you have an idea of who's not on the two deep and, and I think a few of the guys who went into the portal today fit that category. We talked about it. And there, there's going to be more. And it'll be a mix. There'll be some guys that 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 hurt. You know what I mean? There'll be a few departures that were like, ooh, that stings. That That's a rough one to lose. But I think the majority are going to be guys that you're like, you know, half the people in the message will be like, wait, who? 
who 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 played i do the the transfer tracker each week jim where i'm like oh what did the guys who left pit in the portal what did they do this season and it's keaton slovis and vincent davis and there's like i i include sam williams the defensive end who transferred to murray state and there's somebody who's like every time when you post this i always have to ask myself who is sam williams and so and he was at pit for like two or three years it'll be guys like that and I guess it's just moving more and more toward a, a pro model, right? Of trimming guys off, cutting guys effectively, and then trying to shop and fill in through free agency. I mean, like, I don't even think, like, do we even need to talk about it in different terms than that? Like, no. or, or, I mean, no, I mean, I think we're kind of already there with basketball. I mean, there, there's no continuity in college basketball. You, you pick, uh, you, form a team for that season and that's it. You don't go any further than that. I mean, you, yeah, obviously, you know, some guys are going to stick around for multiple years, but it's like, you're, you're trying to find 13 guys each season to put on a team and try to make it work. I mean, we, we've seen Pitt do it we, we, all across the country. That's just that whole, that Missouri team they played the other night. They're all transfers. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's just how it is. So, I mean, yeah. I think college football is getting closer to that. I mean, I, you, you know, with 85, you can't just, start start from scratch 85 (laughs) like you can 13 in basketball but yeah to a certain point and and whenever you point point the numbers like that even after all these transfers Pitt is still over the scholarship limit for next year that I don't know if that eases some tension for some people but it should like yeah like there's still going to be more and there still has to be more like some of these transfers today were kind of necessary and there's a few more that are going to be necessary yeah, if anything, the numbers sort of illustrate that maybe this was part of a plan, maybe not a, a hyper-specific plan of like, well, we're going to take this commitment in June because we know Nate Temple is going to transfer, but maybe. You know, I mean, Panarduzzi famously like two years ago was like, Shockey Jacques-Louis told us he was he was going to transfer. So we recruited and filled that spot. And then after the season, he told us if we wanted to, he wanted to come back. And we were like, sorry, you know, we just, we recruited and filled that spot. So I, I think to some extent there, there is a plan. There's an understanding like you're going to have this amount of attrition. And so you're going to try and fill them in. You mentioned basketball. It's funny. I, the, the two like really eye-opening moments for me where I was like, whoa, th- there's a real impact that the transfer portal can have here. One was Jordan Addison going. That was like a touchstone moment for me. That was a, you know, you know, the, the blinders were off type of moment, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, that, that was a moment where it was like, whoa, like this is, this is real. This can really happen. It really is like free agency. And then the other one was, I think it was wake forest, like two years ago where Steve Forbes just, just built a whole team out of transfers. They won a bunch. And, and I think it was two seasons ago and it was like, oh, you can actually like do this. Like you can not only like, can you do it, but you can do it and you can win. You can do it and you can be successful. And then a year later, of course, Jeff Capel does it. You know, he, he, I mean, you talk about looking at a roster up and down and it's all transfers. I mean, that was Pitt last year, right? Because yeah. even if Jamarius Burton had been there for a couple of years, he, he was a transfer. I mean, Elliot Cummings, Henson, they, they didn't, all transfers. They didn't start a guy they recruited from high school last year, all five of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, because Fetty came from a, a JUCO. So, I guess that's just – and I feel like it's funny, too, because even, like, the mid-majors – that Pitt has played. Like you look through their roster, they all have like another college that they came from. They all have another college that they're playing. And it's, and it's every, it's every school. There's nobody that's above it. There's nobody that's better than it. I still can't get over. There was a tight end who transferred to Florida state from shorter university. And he had like a 40 yard touchdown catch against Pitt. It's just, it's everywhere. Um, We're uh, really late in the show, Jim, but I got to tell you about Chris Gates. Now, Chris, as always, sponsors the Wednesday Night Live show. He's got a brand new opportunity for Panther podcast listeners. So let's skip all the small talk, get right to the point. Now that we're in the thick of the holiday season, you might be thinking about setting a health or a fitness goal, joining a gym, setting a New Year's resolution, or simply trying to start next year on a healthier path. Well, that's perfect timing. Chris is going to be opening up applications and running a massive sale on one-on-one online fitness coaching in January. But here's the catch. He'll have a limited amount of spots available for new clients, no more than 10 and probably far fewer than that. So if you want to pursue a health or fitness goal in the new year and you want guided, personalized support every step of the way, get on Chris's early access list right now. It's super simple. Here's how to do it. 
Go to chrisgatesfitness.com. Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Gates, G-A-T-E-S, fitness.com slash early access and enter your name and email. That gets you on the list. And then prior to coaching applications opening up to the public, Chris will reach out to you directly to talk about your interest in coaching and what a program might look like for you. If it's a good fit, you'll be able to get a coaching spot before the sale and applications officially go live to the public and you'll still get the best deal possible 75% off your first month. Working with Chris is the most efficient and effective way to achieve your health and fitness goals. He'll not only set up a program specifically tailored to you, your goals and your lifestyle, but he'll also be there every step of the way to guide and support you throughout the process. If you're interested in learning more about how coaching works and what others have accomplished working with Chris, be sure to click around his website after you submit your name to the early access list. He has tons of testimonials and information about the coaching process. And in the month of December, he'll be publishing a new client success story every week. So once again, visit chrisgatesfitness.com slash early access to get on the list. Chris will also uh, post, post this link to the message board on pithalore.com to make it easy for subscribers to find. So thanks to Chris for supporting us. People want to uh, get some health and fitness goals heading into the holiday season. They should do just that. All right. I'm going to, we're a lot of comments and questions here. I want to uh, run through these as much as we can get through as many as we can here. TRR says Nate Yarnell appears accurate, moves fairly well and has terrific size. Narduzzi should ride with him these next two years. Jim, true or false on that statement? Um, I guess the offensive coordinator should have some input, but no, I, I mean, I was impressed with Nate Yarnell in these final two games. And I think, you know, he should have played probably a little bit sooner than he did. So I think they could go into next year with Nate Yarnell as a starter and win games. So I'll say true. I don't, I don't, I don't know for certain. I mean, there's probably other options, but he's not the worst one. How much do you think our perception of Nate Yarnell is affected by having watched Phil Dracovic and Christian Bayer? Uh, probably a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> like if Yarnell plays, you know, if Yarnell starts the season and plays against Wofford, Cincinnati, West Virginia, the way he played, oh, let's just say Cincinnati, West Virginia, the way he played against Boston College and Duke. First of all, I mean, it probably would be enough to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, one, not his fault interception against Duke, as opposed to three, definitely his fault interceptions against West Virginia. Um, probably flips the script there. I, I think I do think they beat Syracuse with Nate Arnell. The more and more I think about it, like we all got so focused on the defense in that game and rightfully so they sucked, but three turnovers in the second half all led to touchdowns. That's a game they're leading at halftime and they blow yeah. it because of three turnovers. Like <laughs> I just think, you know, Nate Arnell made routine throws, which Phil Dracovic didn't, and he didn't turn the ball over all the time, which Christian Bayer did. So, just by comparison, he was like a better option, but does that make him the best option for next season? That's, and I'm not necessarily asking you because you kind of already answered it, but I think that's, it's a big question. I think it's tough. Um, Ryan says over under three and a half of the following leaving for the portal or the draft, but means Gavin Bartholomew, Rodney Hammond, Solomon DeShields, Kenny Johnson, Jordan Bass, MJ Devonshire, Mack and Salves. I actually think that's pretty easy. Over under three and a half of those guys leaving for Porter will draft. Means, Bartholomew, Hammond, DeShields, Johnson, Bass, Devonshire, Gonzalez. Yeah, I think it's over too. Not all for the port. Well, some for the portal, some for the draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, Jim Diller says, Riley Leonard is rumored to go to Notre Dame. Any chance Kenny Minchie reconsiders Pitt? I should say I hope not. There's no good like reviews coming out of him out of South Bend about him and how he's been out there as a freshman. Yeah, that's you know he he blew up last year on the Elite Eleven and it felt like a huge loss and it was still a loss for Pitt either way to you know not have a quarterback that class or they had to scramble for one late with Ty Diefenbach but everyone from Notre Dame is not overly impressed with him. Yeah. That's all I've heard too. Uh, Biz is a super chatter says, I don't know anything about basketball. Are we concerned about the losses to Florida and Missouri or is it too early to care? Um, I would say both. You agree with that, Jim? Um, yeah, I mean, there were some concerning elements in both losses. Um, I, I thought they kind of got pushed around physically and, you know, it's kind of sprouting up that they don't really have much of an inside scoring presence, but I mean, I, I don't think it's too early to care because I don't know how great the ACC is last year. I mean, Pitt was a game away from winning the ACC last year, 
and was in date. <laughs> it's so, you know, you need to win some big games in the non-conference. So they lost two opportunities there. So, I mean, I know Clemson's not a non-conference game, but it's, it's still a big early season game coming up on Sunday. And that game against West Virginia next week is very big. I mean, it's a chance to get a road win against a power five team. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's someone was told me, he's like, oh, Lenardi didn't know it's in the brackets last, you know, yesterday. I'm like, dude, if you're checking Joe Lenardi's bracket <laughs> anytime before like the new year, like, yeah, you got to stop. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, uh, it's, it's a bit much. But as you say, I mean, Vanderbilt or, uh, or uh, VCU, right? VCU last year came back to bite them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Wait, did they lose the Vanderbilt too? Did they play? Why do I think? Did they play Vanderbilt last year? Or am I just making that up? Was it just VCU? No, they, they beat Vanderbilt. No. They didn't play. No, they lost to Vanderbilt. They lost to Vanderbilt. So they lost to Vanderbilt. They lost to VCU. And Michigan was the other one, right? They and, got killed and, by Michigan. And West Virginia. And West Virginia. They got killed. So, right. So, oh, yeah. They only won one good non-conference game, right? Northwestern. Yeah. So, you know, and like you said, they ended up playing in – Dayton, despite almost winning the conference. I mean, that's that's a big problem. I, as far as like concern about the team, not necessarily the resume. I, I look at last night and Missouri made a ton of shots at the end of the shot clock. Kind of got like late bounces that went in a little. I, I don't want to say they were lucky, but some of their shots, it was like, wait, really? You just hit another one of those like end of the shot clock shots. And Pitt missed a bunch of open shots, shots that I think they'll normally knock down. I don't think Ish Leggett is going to go over five from three on some of the shots that he missed last night. And they still, despite all of that, ended up only being down two with like 90 seconds to go. And they could have been down, or they ended up being down two with two and a half minutes to go. And if Blake Henson makes his free throws, they're down two with like a minute 13 left to go. So right in the mix to win the game. So I'm, I'm not as concerned. I think they have things they have to figure out. They have things they have to fix. Uh, but I'm not too concerned just yet. You just have to start seeing steps forward. You have to see Bob Carrington get a little bit better. You need the front court to get a little bit better. Um, I don't know if you uh, think they should go with uh, Guillermo Diaz Graham a little more than Federico Federico or not, but uh, you know they they need to make some improvements there. All right, let's keep moving. Willat Harris says, uh, "Why do we feel the need to take these bums who chose other schools out of high school in the portal?" Well, one of those guys just made 105 tackles this year for Pitt. First time since 2015 that a Pitt defensive player has recorded 100 tackles. There was only like five guys in the ACC this year who had 100 tackles. And one of them is a player like you're referring to, a guy who chose another school out of high school and then came back to Pitt. I think of a, like now of all times, Jim, like you, you, you have to put pride and hurt feelings and all that aside. It's more business than it has ever been. It's not personal. And because Pat Narduzzi was really, really mad about Donovan McMillan in high school. If you recall, he announced a top 10 and Pitt wasn't in it. Or yeah. when he cut to top five, Pitt didn't make it. And Narduzzi took that really personally. If he had held on to that, I mean, they still end up with good safeties in McIntyre and Hall, but they don't have, or McIntyre and O'Brien, but they don't end up with a guy who has 105 tackles, who's one of the top five tacklers in the ACC. So you have to put that stuff aside. You can't take it personally, you know? No, and we're just seeing like how things move in the transfer portal. Guys come available again, and you already have relationships in place. So they kind of knew who Donovan McMillan was. They knew who MJ Devonshire was, and I mean, like even Johnny Patrician helped them out and went, you know, played good linebacker two years ago. I mean, so I mean, yeah, they they lost some guys, they got them back, and they've been productive. I mean, yeah, Phil Jerkovic didn't work out, but like some of these guys have. Yeah. Now, on the matter of making it personal, Byron Flex says, I fully expect Kenny Johnson, Ryan Bear, and Jordan Bass to test the portal. No downside for them. They can always rescind if Pitt matches. Um, I, I don't think Bear is going to test it. I kind of don't think Bass will either. But that's set that aside for a second because what we just said about not making it personal, about not holding grudges and, and letting go of that and understanding it's just business, do you think if a player goes into the portal, should Pitt be willing to take them back? If they if they decide oh, actually yeah, I didn't really get the kind of options I wanted I I, I want to come back to Pitt. I I kind of think like these meetings they're having right now are that like they're it's bef you know before the portal it's like are you sure okay you're in the portal that's it so I I don't expect like I don't think anyone's testing the waters it's not like an NBA draft situation where you can kind of go get some feedback I mean I think like this is it like if you decide you're leaving you're 
probably leaving. I don't I don't think there's any testing anymore, at least in this avenue. And and the the see what kind of offers you can get, and then see if your school can match it. That happens before they go into the portal. Yeah, like no, they that's go into the, now. Right, they go into the portal when it turns out that their school can't match it or won't match it. Yeah. Um, TRR says the next OC will have total control to pick the rest of the offensive staff per my source who works in the NFL. Far be it for me to uh, disagree with somebody who works in the NFL. But yeah, I, I think the new OC will have um, a lot of say over that. And, and I think we've seen that largely in the past. I think uh, if there were open jobs, I, I think the new OC has had some input on on filling them. Um, Donnie Lightning is a super chatter, says, is this the nadir of pit football? Three and nine and waiting for bigger programs to pick off their players, not competitive for local top end talent out of high school. I always kind of shy away from hyperbole. That's why I like this whole transfer portal situation has has me really verklempt because uh or verklempt because I um you know I'm, I'm, I'm feeling myself prone to hyperbole and saying this is the end of the world. But um but that's another topic as it relates to the nadir of pit football. I, I don't think so. And I said this on the board. I, I feel like the issues Pitt had this season, I think they're identifiable and most of them are relatively fixable. You know what I mean? Like most of them I can, I, I think you can, you can fix this. You can fix that. There's some things that are going to take a longer time to build. I think the defensive line is going to take more time to build, but I think you can fix the quarterback problem either with an in-house option or a portal option. I know don't go get another portal quarterback just because you struck out, you know, at least once and two other half times, I would say, um, it doesn't mean that you can't find a good option now. And so like, I think that's fixable. I think the offensive line, if most of those guys stay can, can be better than it was. I, I, I don't feel like, Oh, they're they're doomed to three win seasons for the rest of uh, eternity. I think they can very much bounce back next year with some necessary changes, and they already made one of them. Uh, you know, on the coaching staff, and I think it was some you know adjustments to the personnel. I, I don't think this has to be the nadir, and it feels like um, yeah, other teams are picking off Pitt's players. I I feel like that might get worse before it gets better, but they're not going to take them all. There'll still be somebody <laughs> left to uh, leave the light on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I still just go back to this whole season, the whole three and nine thing. I mean, this team was good enough with a better offensive coordinator, and a better quarterback to be better than three and nine. It, it, it's yeah. not like everything came crashing down. It's they made one really bad choice and they let that really bad choice make another bad choice. And it got them into this mess. Yeah. But there's still good players on this team. Like there's still good coaches on this staff. Uh, you know, like it's not like desolate. It's. They really messed up, but I think they can dig out of it. I mean, we'll, yeah. at least we'll find out. Yeah, I <laughs> like I, I made the case after the Boston College game. I was like, look, this game is evidence of how not difficult it is to win six games in college football. Like, like you have to almost go out of your way to to fall short of that mark and fall well short of that mark. I mean, Syracuse is six and six this year. Boston College is six and six this year. Like you it's not that hard to win six games. And I'm fairly confident that, I mean, kind of like you said, and, and I think we've said a lot of times with just average quarterback play over the course of the first 10 games, they probably are bowling right now, six and six, seven and five. And then, and then we're wrestling with the question of whether they're going to fire the offensive coordinator or wait until after the bowl game to do it. So maybe it's better that they went three and nine so they could make that change and, and, and turn over a new leaf. Um, but I, I yeah, I don't think it's that far off from getting back to winning a decent amount. I don't know how far it could go, but you know, certainly more than three. All right, I want to see what else we have. Super chatters, of course, can jump in whenever. Uh, let's see. Uh, Homer Simpson wants to know: Does Pitt have any chance at Joe Moorhead? Would like to see them hire him and possibly turn him into the head coach or even Dana Holgerson. Uh, he goes on to say Pitt has to make it quick because they're competing with Penn state for some of the same candidates. Uh, I look at Joe Moore, Joe Moorhead and I'm like, dude's a head coach right now. I don't see him leaving there to come be the OC at Pitt. You know, he might only get one more year at, at Akron after going two and 10 the last two years, but I don't see him leaving a head coach job to be the OC 
at Pitt. I think he wanted to be a, ho- a head coach again, and that's where he is. And so I don't see that happening. I think there are other names that have emerged that are more interesting. Uh, well, I mean, Joe's pretty interesting, but um, I just don't – I don't know. Did you ever really buy that as a, a, a viable option? I mean, a little, but I, I, I kind of figured they would go more offensive corner. I mean, it's tough to – I mean, some schools could probably pull off, like, you know – you know, Colorado did the they, they got Sean Lewis to be their offensive coordinator and he already turned that into a head coaching job. So I mean, yeah, like there is some value in doing that, but I I, I don't know. I don't I don't think the whole Joe Moorhead thing's ever gonna come come to fruition here. Yeah. Um let's see here. What else? Just scrolling through the topics. A lot of things we sort of already uh um covered you know basketball wise jim i mean what's what's the biggest thing you feel like uh as i scroll through some of the comments i mean what, what's the biggest thing you need to see out of them moving forward like what what's the biggest step they have to take if you could pick one heading into the clemson game on sunday i i think a lot of it for me kind of i i think bob carrington is either their best or second best player i want to see him go into the basket more we we keep seeing this 18 foot uh, jump shot and he's good at it. He makes a bunch of them, but when he gets into the teeth of the defense, you know, I would like to see him go to the basket and score because one, he's a good foul shooter. And two, I think he could blow past guys and get to the rim and score. And I I think he's been a little reluctant to do that. So the kid's very talented. I think he's going to play in the NBA someday. Maybe even after this year, I mean, he's that good, but I, 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 that's kind of the next step from him. And, you know, if he can do that, I think he unlocks a lot of other things and, you know, off of that so I, I i you know i would like to just see him be more aggressive yeah i agree i think i looked at that hoopmath.com today and something like nine percent of his field goal attempts have been at the rim this season he's like 52 percent of them are two-point jump shots and 38 percent are uh you know from from three it's like no that that's not like i never thought i would say this but he needs to have a little bit more xavier johnson and trey mcgowan's in his game you know what I mean? Of, of like just driving as fast as you can. And, you know, either you either draw a foul, you finish at the basket or you kick it out to a shooter, which is always a good option. I mean, he just he, he needs to drive more. He needs to to go to the hoop. And and I think that's that's I think it could open up a lot. I think he could improve his game. He could have more success and become more aggressive and more of a threat. And I think it would just improve the team as a whole. They also have to rebound like they didn't rebound well in that game last night. They got out-rebounded for the first time all season. Only had nine offensive rebounds. I mean, these were all, like, they were averaging, like, 17 offensive rebounds per game. I mean, they just weren't, or 16 or something like that. It, it was, yeah, it, it was an uncharacteristic game. They got to get back to rebounding well, and, and yeah, Bob has to drive. I think that's what it's at. We'll leave it uh, with ZC717's comment. He agrees with us. I like it when people agree with us, so I'm going to bring that up. He says, completely agree. I want to see the guards drive to the basket more. Both Carrington and Leggett have that capability. You know, Ishmael Leggett struggled last night. He didn't play well, especially in the second half. But I thought in the first, I liked what he did early in the game because he was driving, he was drawing contact, he was getting to the free throw line. I was like, yeah, this is a good way to go. Like, take the fight to them and get after it and all this stuff. Um, But then he just missed every shot he took I, there was a point i was i was kind of disappointed that he actually made a field goal because i was kind of hoping he would finish with all his points coming at the free throw line because <laughs> he was like eight of eight from the line yeah he was eight of eight from the line and one of seven from the 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 floor we were like how how cool would it be if he ended up with like a double double because i think he had 10 and six or something like that 10 and uh yeah 10 and seven and we we're like i was talking to some other guys it was like how cool would it be if he ended up with a double double and all his points were at the free throw line I mean, that's got to be a, a pretty rare occurrence, you know? But, all right, Jim, uh, any, any final thoughts on the transfer portal, uh, the the complete destruction of college football? Uh, no, and I, as far as I know, nobody else has entered the portal. So yeah, maybe, I, maybe we can sleep tonight. I keep getting Twitter <laughs> notifications, but it's not. It's, it's from our uh, Rivals Transfer Portal uh, Twitter account, which I also have notifications turned on for, and that's a USC safety and a Stanford quarterback. So... Nothing happening right there. So how about that? Well, we didn't have to uh, break any news on the, the podcast. No live news. Uh, that's too bad. The only time that's really ever happened we've broke news on the podcast is uh, when Kenny Pickett announced he was coming back. 
It was during a Wednesday night live show. And I got like a notification and I'm like, I just glance at it. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? I'm like, hold on. <laughs> it was like early in the show too. I feel like it was like quarter to nine or maybe nine o'clock or something like that. So it was like perfect. I had the whole rest of the show to talk about Kenny Pickett returning. So, but that was the only time it's happened. I can't really remember another time that any major, there might've been like a state of the union address or something, but nothing, nothing important. Um, you know. All right. Well, thanks everybody who tuned in today is uh, a lot of fun as always. I figured this would be a pretty uh, interesting, lively conversation and uh, felt like it was. And we appreciate everybody who uh, commented and super chatters for sure. Make sure you like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pantherlair.com so you don't miss any of our pit video content. And then of course, check out the website pantherlair.com. We have a lot of stuff on there today. We'll have a lot of, a lot of stuff on there tomorrow and probably every day for the next like 21 days or so yeah three weeks from tonight is signing day three weeks from today so buckle up because here it all comes but check out the website panther-lair.com jim thanks for your time tonight thanks everybody who tuned in and we will uh talk to you guys on the website in the morning pit tomorrow right here youtube.com slash panther